0: game is over this is a special
1: post-game edition of the pegasus podcast presented by night sports now instant analysis and opinions on ucf's game now here are your hosts bailey adams and christian simmons welcome into episode 101 be sure you're following us on twitter at baileyjadams22 at ByCA simmons and at night um ucf just won Seventy to thirteen over Temple. Yeah. And it looked very, 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 very good doing it. I mean I don't know how you don't look good doing that, you know, scoring seventy points and only giving up thirteen, but what a night. You know, I I'd said on
0: our um on our uh why why don't I remember words? Pre-game podcast? Yeah. You know what? It's not even midnight, so I have no excuse for being <laughs> this tired. I'm very tired, guys. I'd said on our pre our pre preview podcast, I'm breaking as a human. This is great. We're not even a minute in and I'm collapsing. <laughs> That, you know, you can play a game a hundred times and get a hundred different results. It's just hard to predict games. I did not ever anywhere on my bingo card have UCF getting its biggest ever win over an FBS opponent.
1: Yeah, even in a hundred tries, I wouldn't have guessed 70 to 13. They won by 57 points (laughs) against a conference opponent. Yeah. A conference opponent, that I know they hadn't played anyone, but they came in with a top 10 defense in the country.
0: They came in allowing 16 points a game and UCF scored 70 points. Yeah. John Rice Plumley had 7 touchdowns. Thomas Castellanos came in for mop-up duty and ran for 88 yards <laughs> on 3 carries. On 3 <laughs> carries. My favorite part about that in postgame was because someone who was not UCF media, I don't know who they were, was like, that was were you trying to send question. a message to Temple? That was the question. They asked Gus Malzahn, were you trying to send a message to Temple? I don't think in the entire universe has a UCF coach ever thought they have to send a message to Temple. But anyway, that's the question <laughs> Gus got. And Gus's reply actually made it even worse because Gus's reply was, all we did in the second half was we waited until three seconds left and snapped it and we ran three different plays.
1: And they scored like four more touchdowns yeah. doing that. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, Tommy came in. He scored a touchdown. Jordan McDonald scored his first touchdown. It was that's the thing. Is like they ran three plays. They were taking the clock all the way down, and they were they had their backups in. They had their other freshmen in, and they were still dominating. I should also point out that Temple did not respond in kind right away. Temple kept its first stringers in for a while
0: while that was (laughs) happening. I just, I okay. I guess we should talk about John Rice Palmley since he just had the most tied for the most touchdowns a UCF quarterback has ever had in a game. I am confused. And let me explain why I'm confused. Because obviously, I guess we should say it. John Rice Plumley appears to be good, and that's great. Because I know that you know we are the oh, whole or the Mikey podcast, blah blah blah. Like I've had the same thing from the beginning. I really want him to be awesome.
1: Yeah, and I st- I still feel like we we haven't been wrong. I don't think we've ever said. I think we jokingly said he was bad, but I don't think we ever said he was bad. We said he has a high ceiling. He just doesn't play at that high ceiling consistently. And he I'm gonna say I was year. wrong. Because okay. I
0: always thought that he had a high... That was our whole thing, was we said that he's the high ceiling, lower floor guy. Yeah. I didn't think his ceiling went up to seven touchdowns in a game. That's true, so I didn't either. What I don't understand, and it's why I'm deeply confused right now, is that it makes zero sense. There, I don't understand how he went from the first three plus games of the season, could not throw the ball downfield. I literally, I said on a couple of podcasts ago, I got to the point where I cringe every time he throws the ball <laughs> downfield, to just throwing these freaking darts hitting receivers in stride while he is on the run
1: yeah and
0: doing that multiple times throughout a game i mean the difference with john rice is he's just in complete and total command of the offense i mean i it's even as simple as he basically is just making plays happen out of nothing it's not situations anymore where the original play isn't there and he scampers for four yards he's darting around he's staying on his feet he's keeping his eyes down field. he's checking the ball down to bowser for 45 yards think, because the, all the defenders yeah. are rushing towards him he's Finding O'Keefe down, it does not make sense how he looked
1: so stunningly different two weeks ago to how he looks now. I think that's the biggest difference in his play is that, you know, we've seen the last two weeks now. He hasn't had the same, he hasn't had the 8,500-yard rushing games. And he's been moving around more and finding receivers, finding open receivers. And I don't think we saw that for the first four games or so. But I mean, just some of these passes, like he had a 25-yard touchdown pass to Kobe Hudson. He had an 11-yarder to Ryan O'Keefe, a 68-yarder to Ryan O'Keefe, a 64-yarder to Kobe Hudson. Like he was just making these downfield throws. That I mean, the the guys the guys got open, so credit to them. And he was hitting them. It it was, yeah, it was uh, it was quite the performance. And I mean, seven touchdowns tells the story. Um, But it it is it's been weird. And I I know Gus said like in in his post game, just one of those intangible things that coaches always say was like, oh, I think things are really slowing down for him right now. I don't know what that means. Like, why? It's just slower, man. It's just, it's the same, like, it's kind of the end product of what Gus was saying earlier this year where it was like, oh, he's still, like, learning the position, learning the offense. And now, I guess, now that he's learned the offense and learned the position, things have he slowed down. He finally learned it. Things have slowed down, slowed down for him.
0: So, the only, like, logical explanation I can figure out as to how this has happened, how he can go from, and
1: listen, it's not like
0: he's looked bad the entire season we talked about. It. He's always been boomer bust. but yeah, he he's broke never, the streak tonight. He's, he did break the streak, and we'll get to that, but he's never looked like this, like a player who was in complete command of the offense, and the only, like, logical thing I can pin it on is confidence right? Yeah. I mean, is it just he's gotten to the point where it's no longer like, oh, he was the guy that people didn't expect to win the job and he won it anyway. And can he throw the ball? I mean, he just looks like he's going out there and having fun and knows what he's doing yeah. and just can do do whatever he wants to do. I mean, and I do think part of it too, a little bit is it seems like his relationship with the receivers has developed a lot in the last couple weeks. They know where his balls are going to hit them. He knows where they are on the field. And that was definitely lacking in the first couple of games. And that just comes with I mean, listen, all spring and fall camp, the QB1 reps are being split between two guys, two very different guys. So I yeah. get how that took time into the season. But JRP just looks like he's having fun. And yeah. he looks like he, I, I don't know how to say it, and he looks like he's in complete command of this offense. And the confidence that it builds of having two games like that in a row, I feel like now we're like, okay, now the ball is rolling. Now I feel like we can worry less about what the offense is going to look like game to game.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, he looks, he looks comfortable. You said it. And I think a big thing is, we saw flashes, maybe, of this level of his, where like he would make some good throws in the game, but then he'd come back the next drive and have two pretty bad throws, and it was it was kind of just. And you know, another thing is receivers aren't dropping the ball anymore, yeah. and I think that probably speaks a little bit to that level of comfort between him and the receivers, um, and and that's you know that makes a huge difference because some of those that they dropped earlier in the year, I mean, you look at those and you add those to. What he's done, and you're feeling a little bit better at the time. They fl-
0: they completely. I mean, the Georgia Tech game we talked about. I mean, his stats basically completely flip for that game if the drops go the other way. And and I think that just came with time. I yeah. think that just came with because there was no other really logical explanation for that. And I think it's just Everyone's settled in. They've all been playing together for a few games now. And I want to be clear that it's like what happened tonight is not the standard for JRP. Oh, no. You know, like seven touchdowns, and I think UCF scored on all but one offensive drive. It, I, hunted once, I, yeah, punted once. Yeah, that's I not the standard, but. I do think that this team has the confidence now where, and a knock on wood, hope you guys heard that. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you would not have heard a knock on to like that yeah. the consistency of game-to-game, game, we're, we're going super high up and super high down, I think that's done. Because again, Temple had played a bunch of bad teams, but they had, their defense had been playing very well. Yeah, And UCF utterly and completely demolished it. And I think that now the offensive guys just have that confidence of, we can do anything. And once you start feeling yourself as a player, it's over for the other teams.
1: Yeah, and I was honestly thinking like early in the game because UCF was up fourteen to ten after the first quarter and fourteen to thirteen at some point in the second quarter, and I was thinking like, yeah, I mean, I imagine UCF's eventually going to run away with this, and I didn't think it was going to be to that extent. But I was kind of even thinking like, you know, t- I think Temple's got a pretty good coach. I think I think like they're they're working on stuff there, and I think they're. I mean, this is his first year, so a little stick with them and, and I don't know. We'll see what happens with them, but. I was feeling like, yeah, I mean, I wasn't down about the fact that it was 14-13. I was oh, like, wasn't yeah, there. they're going
0: to they're gonna probably... I tweeted up... at the time. I'm like, we've seen this a few times this year, Yeah, UCF pulls away. This yeah, you
1: even said on the preview podcast, I think you said, don't, like, don't be surprised if this is a close game and the UCF pulls away. And yeah. That's what happened, but... They didn't so much pull away as end Temple as a football program. Yeah. Well, that's but, yeah. the thing is, like, I don't think... I don't think Temple is that bad. I think it was like, once it got out of hand, it got out of hand. You could see, like, physically
0: see Temple give up early in the third quarter. When UCF scored at a halftime, you just saw their guys deflate, and it was like, it's over. And then it just became... What made the score so even more lopsided than it was was UCF's backups continuing to just tear through time. Yeah, which
1: we haven't seen in a while, I don't think. I mean, we usually see, you know, kind of just... And the crazy thing is, like, yeah, we usually see them run like the vanilla play calling, but like they kind of did again. Like Gus said, they ran three plays, and they were just they were just torching him. I mean, it's Tommy. Tommy went. What was he six for six for sixty yards? And he had three carries for yeah. eighty-eight yards and a touchdown, and looked awesome. He did. I know he's.
0: The, I know he was playing against Temple's backups mostly, but like, man, Tommy looked great. I was excited about it. He Hopefully, is hopefully fast. we
1: don't see him the rest of the season, and he's redshirted now because was well. Like they just burnt. Years. They just burnt McDonald's redshirt. Did they really? Yeah.
0: Because he's been playing on uh, a. Oh,
1: play- oh, has he? Yeah. Mm. So. Well, Tommy has been played He played in four games now, and I'd shut him down personally. Yeah, I would too. But you know,
0: <laughs> I, it just. How about Tylen Grable with the carry?
1: Yeah, I, I, one of our listeners, Mike. I was like, I said, I tweeted like Tylen Grable reception. He corrected me to to rush, and I was like, I don't care. <laughs> I, he man, he deserved that touchdown. It was that was there was two times in the game tonight where I got I, I don't remember who ended up scoring the touchdown. Was it Bowser? Is that the one Bowser scored I think. Uh, I think so. Um but it was the, so the first time when RJ Harvey had that 60-yard run and then JRP scored the rushing touchdown I was like annoyed cuz so I was like oh you just it was like RJ deserved that touchdown and JRP stole it. And then it was the same thing with Bowser. It was like I wanted them to like line up Grable in the backfield just, just let him that. go. Just right let him go, go one. Yeah, just let him go one cuz he was so close. I'm to just looking the at that. 10 different guys got a carry tonight. It, it's really ridiculous to look at the lines of like cuz like you said, like I said, Tommy had three carries for 88 yards. RJ had four carries for 73 yards. RB one. <coughs> McDonald had. I, nine I have for... to say that really quickly. RJ Harvey's the best running. Oh, he is. Team. Yeah, and I think he we is. said that a couple weeks ago. And
0: I don't. I still don't totally know what the what the, the production is there. I don't know if it's an injury thing or what, just because of. I think so. Oh, we should also. I, I, I know I'm totally derailing you. Yeah, you're fine. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's what basically what podcasts. I'm here for. What what we we do on these Bailey podcasts. tries to make a point and I'm like, let me railroad Ooh, that with I something think, unrelated. I think
1: that's what the late night ones are for.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Um, UCF put up 70 points and. Their best wide receiver was hurt and basically didn't play.
1: Yeah, and I was very, very, very relieved to hear Gus say, like, yeah, he came up with a bit of an ankle injury and we think he's going yeah. to be Yeah, you could tell he was
0: fine on the sideline.
1: Yeah, because he, he, he ran, he basically, like, I know he limped pretty heavily, but he was, like, basically running it off yeah. to get off the field. And I was like, okay, it, it was normally. clearly a
0: situation where the coaching staff was like, you know what? There is zero reason for you to go back out there. Like, yeah. there's no, I just, that UCF just showed depth tonight, you know? I mean, I just feel so much, I, I, like, I don't know. I've, you're laughing at something. Kobe
1: Hudson averaged 30.3 yards per catch. That's fairly ridiculous. Four for 121 and two touchdowns. O'Keefe averaged 15.9. He had seven catches for 111 and two touchdowns. That f- this felt like O'Keefe's
0: nice, like reestablishing himself game of the season too.
1: Yeah, I mean he looked he looked really good. Eleven um, guys. Um, con- he had two touchdowns con- last week, so yeah. But he's been, he's been stepping he's up. He's kind for sure. of on a roll right now, which is good. I think just everything everything's clicking right now. And, and granted, it does get tougher. Um, they go on the road to ECU next week, then they come back home and play Cincy, then they go on the road to Memphis, and then on the road to Tulane, and those are four. You know, I don't know Memphis hasn't been Memphis for the last couple of years, but those are still tough, four tough opponents that you're. Listen, at least you're clicking at the right time. You're going into yeah. those four games feeling pretty good about yourselves. Fans don't want to hear this right now, but all four of those games are realistically losable games. Yeah, and I
0: don't. That doesn't mean UCF's going to lose all of them. Doesn't that doesn't mean UCF's going to lose any of them? But Listen, the first half of the schedule was the easier part. You got five home games and six games and UCF pretty much did what you want from that. They're five and one. They just beat a team by fifty something points. I mean, honestly, like UCF should be getting AP, AP votes it this makes, week. I would think it
1: makes that Temple game so much more frustrating, though. At, <laughs> they L- just, Louisville or, we... Yeah, when I say Temple, yeah, yeah, it makes that Louisville game just so annoying because it's like you you find one more touchdown in that game and you're six and zero and you're probably in the top. Yeah, players.
0: but that was back when John yeah. RS Plumlee couldn't throw the ball. So yeah,
1: but that's you. what I'm saying. That's what's so annoying about it because we've seen this now and we're like, well, plus Louisville's gone on to very clearly not be a good team. Yeah, they're horrible.
0: So I you know it's like what we. Used to talk about with 17 and 18 that people didn't really get at the time was going undefeated is very, very, very hard because yeah. sometimes you just have games you're not supposed to have. Luckily, what's become clear halfway through the season is that the Louisville game was much more of a fluke game than a sign of things to come, and that's great because we just didn't know what the hell we were in for after that game.
1: Yeah, and what I've liked so far in a year and a half now, while wow, this has been a year and a half with Gus, yeah, um, is Last year, I mean, it was an injury-riddled team, but they got better and better as the year went on. This team is getting better and better as the year goes on. 100%. Like that, that is probably the biggest thing with this coaching staff. is,
0: and, and like the coach is saying, it's a cliche, but it's true. Most teams do not get better from the start to the end of the season. And UCF now has done it in both seasons. They are a much better team right now than they were four weeks ago.
1: Yeah. And Robbins.
0: that's coaching. That's coaching. And John Rice just clearly... Feeling himself now, having the confidence, the offense clicking and vibing together like right now, like right this second. And I'm not saying this is going to be the case next week because watch UCF go lose to East Carolina and ruin all of our lives. (laughs) UCF looks (laughs) like the best eleven cookies in the VCR. UCF looks like the best team in the conference. Cincinnati is coming off of a very tight game with USF of all teams, and no one else
1: has looked dominant. Yeah, UCF right now looks like the best team. Houston needed like a miraculous comeback to even stay afloat. Houston's already got two conference losses; they're out of here. Tulane's the
0: only other one to worth talking about, and they're
1: Tulane, and they've lost to Southern Miss. Yeah, I mean, ECU has just the one conference loss Mm -hmm. or two now. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, I mean, it it does. It gets tougher, but you just this version of UCF. And I was talking. We talked about Zach on this podcast before. I was talking to Zach a little bit after the game, and I, I think he said he said something like. If they can just even do half of this on offense, East you know, Carolina with has this, two losses. Sorry, is it two conference yeah. losses? Mm-hmm. Who did they lose yeah. to last week? Because uh, I know they had one with the totally Navy. Sorry, totally wrote your point there. They've, they've lost to Navy, Navy and Tulane. Tulane. I don't think I saw any of that game. Um, yeah, Tulane crushed. Them. That's why I forgot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, what Zach said was basically fifty percent of the last two games with this, like of that of the offensive production, like them at fifty percent of what they've done the last two weeks, combined with UCF's defense wins them, like, everything. It wins them every every game. game. Yeah. Because you know what? As amazing as the offense looked, we should just
0: talk about that the defense once again looked great. Oh, yeah. They, they allowed a couple I early think... scores like they always do, and they were done. Temple scored 13 points.
1: Yeah. And that, that was where I think we were naturally kind of getting there because we uh, – I think we covered everything with the offense, right? And I'm sure we'll miss some stuff, and we'll hit that on, the, on the next I, podcast. So much but... happened with the offense. There's going to be so many things we missed yeah. to talk about. But, yeah, um, we can talk about the defense. But, the, I mean, the defense, <laughs> it was funny, just – I, it was, I tweeted, I think it was like a, uh, the first drive, I tweeted how it was like a vintage UCF defense drive in 2022 because Temple drove all the way down the field really easily and then stalled at the nine-yard line, had to kick a field goal. And then they, I mean, they came down the next drive and Temple scored a touchdown. I was kind of like, I wasn't worried, but I was like, oh my, this is more than I expected out of Temple. Right. I, think, I mean, I predicted them to score 10 points, um, but I didn't think it was going to all happen in the first quarter. Um, but no, I mean, the defense after that, it's it just it was amazing to see how both sides fed off each other. Oh, yeah. And Gus Big talked time. about how important it was for when the defense was, I guess, quote unquote, struggling early on, the, the, the offense picked them up and was scoring. They were you know, going on long drives and scoring touchdowns because was, Gus was talking about how earlier in the season, it was always the defense picking up the offense. So he said that was good for him to see that. And then once, you know, once the defense kind of got back to being itself, just watching them feed off each other, it was like... The offense would score a quick strike touchdown, defense would come out 4-3 four, four and out, offense would score again, and it was just like, this is, we haven't seen this in a while. I
0: know I'm deeply, like, um, getting way too high off of what was uh game against Temple, but yeah. that looked like the most complete UCF team I've ever seen. And it's not, because they <laughs> were playing Temple, but... That is like football at its finest, and that's just what great teams do, where you're right, it's just feeding off each other back and forth and amping each other up, and the offense does something amazing, and it leaves the defense doing something amazing, and back and forth and back and forth. Because even in 2017 and 2018, like, UCF's defenses were certainly not elite in either of those mm-hmm. years. They were good defenses, but they were not, you know. And you look at this year, I mean, the defense, they're allowing 14 points a game. Yeah. You set a low bar for your offense if you're only going to let opposing opponents score 14 points a game, and the offense just put up 70.
1: Yeah, and that, that's why that's kind of the point that Zach was making that I was making earlier was like, it's you, you score half of what you scored tonight, you score 35 points, you're gonna win with this defense, you're gonna win. I predicted
0: game. UCF would score 35 points. Yeah, UCF scored twice as many points as I predicted. 30, you were like 38, 38
1: I think. I think yeah. 38. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's it's crazy, and, and you look at just some of that complimentary stuff, like on offense, UCF went eight of nine on third downs, which is that's absurd. Yeah. And then Temple went seven of seventeen on third downs and zero for two on fourth downs, and it was just UCF put up seven hundred thirty-seven yards, Temple two hundred ninety-three. UCF averaged um, where what where is it fifteen point five yards per pass. It's pretty good. And seven point four yards per rush, and four hundred thirty-three yards passing, three hundred four yards rushing, and all the thing the thing for that we just mentioned all the running backs and all the different people guys who got carries, all combined for three hundred four yards. That's bowser got five carries tonight that's crazy it's just a weird it was just that kind of game i, I we haven't seen it forever again a long no. time
0: I, well like i said we, I mean, we we have quite literally never ever yeah. seen ucf beat an fbs team by that many points but i just you know you don't want to get too high after the big blowout win because it was against a bad team but you we talked about the consistency has been the issue all season And this was the first time, well, the second time really after last week that UCF looked like the team we thought they were this off season. And it just took them a little longer to get there than we thought. Because you look at the SMU game, we talked about what it does for your confidence. They basically came out in this game like, yeah, we know we're awesome. We just beat up up on SMU. And they just did, it's just so much of this feels like a mental thing to me where the pieces were always there for UCF and they were just finally in the right places. Everyone's playing to their full potential. The offense is clicking, the defense is continuing to dominate. And now it's just suddenly like, Listen, UCF could come out and the consistency issues could hit them again. I still don't understand how John Rice Plumlee can go from not being able to throw the ball to being freaking elite throwing the ball in three weeks. But as of right now, I'm like, yeah, they could win all the, all the games on their schedule.
1: Doesn't mean they will, but they could. Yeah, that's where I'm scared. Yeah. Like, I'm setting myself back up for the disappointment. Because I had just kind of assumed, like, all right, this might not work out the way we wanted it to. Maybe they'll get they'll stumble in nine, nine wins. Now I'm like, they should, they, I mean, not they should, but they could very well win out.
0: It's the whole will and could difference. It's, yeah. I'm not saying that UCF will finish 11-1, and but... Thanks to the last two games, I can sit here and confidently say, I know they are capable of this. Yeah, there's so. hope for it. We know they're, they're capable of that. Definitely
1: wasn't for a little while there.
0: Will they? We don't know. Because the truth is, John is probably is, is going to have another clunker of a game somewhere. I'm willing to predict that now just because that's going to happen. That doesn't mean he's a bad quarterback. He's clearly not a bad quarterback. He just had seven freaking touchdowns in a game, but he's not going to play like that every week. The offense will go through a struggle at some point. There's good defenses on the schedule. There's good offenses on the schedule. We'll have to see how the defense deals with Tulane, so there will be ups and downs still, but... We know from right now, UCF is capable of winning every game left on the schedule.
1: They are. Yeah, they absolutely are. Yeah, it's weird looking at some of like just some of these defensive staff. Like UCF didn't have a sack tonight. They only had four tackles for loss. I don't think they had a turnover. It was just they no. were just getting stops. Temple just couldn't and, do anything. Yeah, they were just getting stops and and doing what they I mean what they do. Um, some of the guys that came in late, like I thought, um, Damari Henderson played really well. Yep, he had two pass breakups cam moore looked really good cam moore looked great he looked really good um and it's just one of those things like he had a tackle for loss and i know we've seen a couple times now this year ucf put some of the backups in and some of the younger guys in late but this is the first time we've actually we, we've seen them like just it's just been fun to watch every, every other time it's like oh it's nice to see him get some experience like this was like them showing what they could do again i mean granted it was against some of temple's backups but it was just cool it was cool to see I'm always like and I know we've talked about how when people like leave a lot of people like to leave games early when it's like a 50 point game but I'm like oh I want to see and that's see when these we guys. get excited yeah, like, I, I want to see, like, see oh, Jordan guys. McDonald Tommy Castellano yeah um, but no it's I mean it was it was a much needed and I don't think much needed like they were coming off of a loss or anything but like it was just everything feels good again Everything feel. I mean, I thought
0: everything was feeling good again after last week. My big thing after last week was okay. UCF has just once again gone up after
1: being down. You Can tip, they be the up again? And they stayed up. You talked me into. Or you talked me into worrying a little bit, not about if they're going to win or lose, but you. You had brought up on the podcast and you texted me earlier about. What if they just kind of like they're going to beat Temple, but what if it doesn't look good? Yeah, the, the, the example I looked. gave you,
0: I said like, what if they win
1: like twenty four seven? I told you, I'd be happy. With and you like, I'd be happy with twenty four seven. I was like, I wouldn't. <laughs> Seventy to thirteen, I'm a little happier with that. Um, but no, I mean, it's it's good. It's good to be where they where they are right now, and it's it's a road test next week. First time they're going to be really test be tested on the road. Yep, one of the only times they're going to be tested on the road. Pretty much. Um, this is basically it. Yeah, as I mean, far you, as road tests. You go down, you go down the like we just mentioned those four games, and then after that, come back home play Navy in the in the final game at home, and then go play at USF. Um, But yeah, I mean these next four, these next four obviously will tell the story of the season. But to be five and one through six games is really where we kind of expected them to be. And yeah, you can't complain with like from the from the beginning of the season. I mean, we talked about like yeah, I mean Louisville is going to be a losable game, and and they lost it. Um, But we had said you know the other ones but on the front half of the schedule they should be 5 and 1 at the very least and here they are that's exa- and listen it
0: not the route we thought they'd take to get there <laughs> um it's been a really weird sort of i mean there it dep- it, that's i guess that's just what consistency is right because there has been points where i'm like wow they look amazing there's been points where we're like are they in 8 and 14 i honestly i never legitimately thought that worse than 9 and 3 was going to happen but it's still just so nice for it's, just, a we- it's just the it's just
1: the point where it felt like I didn't think it was going to happen, but there was a thought that it could happen. Yeah, and that's like kind of what we just talked about, where maybe not even thinking they could go eleven and one, but like that there's hope for that again. Because at, at one point it was like there's there's no way they're winning. You know, they're they're winning all their games except for one. I mean, I, I still feel I'm still wary of of Cincinnati um, despite, as we, as we should be. Yeah, I, I mean, mean let's despite be real. despite them escaping USF, and I mean that's that's still a good team. It's still a well coached team. Great coach over there. So it's not like. I don't know. Again, we talk about how on these post game podcasts we don't want to get too high or too low, and it's hard not to get too high. And I think Gus even you know referenced that because somebody asked him like, "Okay, how do you not?" I think it was Jason Beatty asked him, "How do you not get too high after you know a seventy to thirteen win?" And he was like, "Well, I mean, it's kind of hard, but it's you know it's on the coaches." And I, I mean, this coaching staff I think is is a really solid staff, and they're going to have them ready next week. At ECU yeah
0: I mean that I that's this staff has proven over and over again that it's illegit staff and the big difference from past staffs or from most staffs really is just they make adjustments yeah things aren't working they change them they find something that does work and Man, I just, I'm, ECU's going to be telling for sure because that is really their one and only like legitimate road test of the season. And you know,
1: ECU is going to be up for that game. Two conference losses or not. Well, already, we'll see because
0: they're hosting Memphis on Saturday. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of rooting for ECU to drop that because if they do, I feel like the momentum's just going to yeah, drop fair. out of their score because um, I feel like that's their like get back on track game. And I don't know what the hell's going to happen in that game because I don't know what to make of Memphis. Yeah,
1: that's going to be an interesting one. You know what time that game is? That's a really uh, good question that doesn't really matter I just right it now, up, but. but... Well now um, I want to know, so we're gonna find out. But yeah, so I mean, two things that we definitely have to talk about. Seven thirty. Seven thirty. Okay. Uh, two things we have to talk about before we get out of here was there's a very ba- major uniforms yes. so we're starting there. Okay. And then we'll have to talk about the field. I mean, the field design. Those ones. go hand in hand yeah. to me, but okay. I was. Um, I just love space games.
0: So I like we we've talked about before. I people ask me a lot for my ranking of the space uniforms, and it's really tough for me. And. I am sure that someone, uh, some, several of you will probably listen to this and come away with Christian is a homer. Guys, I can't like overstate because like this was especially a thing when I still did the drip you stuff for UCF. Like everyone's like, oh, Christian just, you know, he likes to pump up. I just really, really like UCF's <laughs> uniforms. I do. And I'd tell you if I didn't, they have worn stuff I haven't liked before. And I've said when I haven't liked it. I love the space stuff and it's hard for me to rank them because I like them all for different reasons, all the different comics. I love 2018 because it was the first full space jersey. There's a lot of nostalgia there. I love 2019 because the moon helmet is the coolest helmet in college football history ever. 2020 is so great because that uniform captured UCF specific ties to space better than any other ones. 2021 was the best ever execution of a theme actually looking like a space shuttle. I'm going to say it right now. 2022 is number one on the list. I think I'm I think I'm heavily leaning toward that being the case for me too. Holy shit, these uniforms, man. <laughs> I I just, I, they looked so freaking superb on the field. It was the perfect mix of the, all the black from it being about deep space exploration and exoplanets with all that Canaveral blue mixed in. The space you on the chest looks so freaking cool. The numbers and the story behind the numbers was so cool. And what I didn't expect to pop as much as it did was just The chrome blue on the half of the decal popped so much in game. And I just, those uniforms, it's like, this is going to sound dumb, but you just see the photos from the game. You're just like, that's space. Like, that is a space uniform. I mean, they are just, and it shows that, like, space doesn't have to be gaudy. Like, you can very easily make that, like, an over-the-top, like, mishmash uniform. How UCF can fit so much meaning into every aspect of that uniform and still have it be so clean and yeah. so sleek and so streamlined, it's so freaking cool.
1: Well, that's the thing is like every year I'm like, ah, man, I don't know how they're gonna beat that next year. But like at this point, I'm gonna stop questioning it because it's like when it's when it's left up to UCF and then like their their team and their ability to design these things with intricate details that look good and tell a story and you know connect UCF to space. Like I I'm done questioning it. I just you know every every year like they just <laughs> it's great. I'm looking at the the drip U. Like graphic yeah. with all of them on there. I'm trying to like pick out my favorites, but honestly, I think I'm partial to both of the black ones. Like, I think I would probably put this year's at the top, and then I'm sitting here wearing a 2018 <laughs> one. And um, props to UCF, honestly, because it would be again like space
0: in the hands of other schools. You you go look and you see how it goes. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying they've all been bad, but some of them are bad. The restraint on UCF to not just do a blackout every year, like it would be yeah. so easy, just make them all blackouts, and it's been four years what's, since they
1: did a black jersey. What's interesting too is like it's. Not just a space thing, but like with other schools, like trying to execute themes and stuff for like special uniforms. I always think back to the the gator skin ones that Florida oh, wore. God, yeah. And so like you, like, it's so easy to take a concept and just not really do it that well. But UCF is killing it every year with this. And then the added, you know, the added bit of everything was the the field design. Having black end zones, which I think I talked about on the podcast, I don't know how long ago, probably like at some point That's last year. That's been season, your thing forever. Yeah I, yeah, I talked about how I think I texted you, like talking about how I wanted space end zones. And, you know, this is the closest thing I think that we could get to space end zones because they just they did a black with the white Knights um, word mark. And then the midfield logo popped really well. They had the little, like, they had the Canaveral blue and, like, the little star in the AAC logos. It was just, I I love it. And I I think just based on, and I I don't know this at all, but based on what we were told back when we were like, oh, why don't they do colored end zones? It was like a killing the grass thing. And so I don't know that they can really go back from the black end zones to grass and like to green grass end zones yeah. for the rest of the season.
0: That's the question I really want an answer to: Is are the black end zones going to be gone in 15 days, or like I don't know I how to imagine they are. are.
1: I, I especially and I think part of maybe part of the reason they thought to do this is that it seems like that that Cincinnati game is and I don't know. I guess maybe they're going to debut the the dark what's it called the night mode jerseys because the I mean it's always kind of we don't know, but the the flow grown. Shirts that they're doing. I was about to say. I was. About, I was about, I, like, I, I feel
0: like we should clarify. that like, we don't know for oh, sure. Yeah. That's what no, they're I'm just doing. saying.
1: It's just like, and I mean, they don't always line up. Like the uniforms don't always line up with like kind of the yeah. marketing and them, plans you know, change but, with just how stuff goes. Yeah, but but with the the night head, like the whatever the flow grown shirt for that game has come out and it says I think it's like fear, I don't know yeah. fear of the night or all I, like I said all part. I'd
0: caution with that is like I'm sure that flow grown shirt was determined for that game a long time ago yeah. and things change Yeah, so. but I mean, I just
1: I imagine that would be a blackout because we haven't seen a blackout this year. I think it'll be a blackout. Well, this was a blackout tonight. But well, but yeah, I think yeah. it'll be a blackout. Yeah, so that's yeah. what I'm saying. That's why I think it, it, it works with the theme of that game, regardless. Like it, it can yeah. be black end zones, and then but black end zones work with every and then, game yeah. ever. And, and give, then give I'm, I'm just saying, there's like yeah, it, it no, seems yeah. space, you know, then then a blackout game, and then I mean senior day, senior night, whatever you want to call it, whether there's only two is. home games left. huh? Yeah, I know it sucks. That doesn't sucks. it? Sucks. I'm not Maybe happy about Maybe three.
0: That. Maybe th- there are I'm calling it now. we will get a third. We're going. we're going to Memphis, so we're getting oh, we are going to extra and Memphis we'll be at
1: uh, we'll be at USF in some capacity. Yeah. So Yeah, I bought my tickets yesterday. So Oh that's yeah. good. I guess I'm not going with you, huh? You told me that you weren't. You said you were covering the game. I know. Okay. I just that's realized why I asked that. you that the yeah, other day. I know. I know.
0: Oh I didn't really yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I was like, why is he so curious? Yeah. <laughs> um but no, the the end zones looked awesome. And it's a thing that like I've always wanted, but like we've always been, like, sympathetic towards, because it's like, UCF's also always wanted it, yeah. they're just, I don't know what they figured out on how to do it. I know that Mahajer had been like, oh, at some point, like, yeah. why isn't that a thing? And there'd always been a reason for it, so I don't know how they figured it out, but it looked awesome. We might regret it if in a month the grass is just completely dead in the end zone, but whatever, man. It looked great. And those uniforms, I just, I cannot say enough good things about. The effort that UCF, like, I really hope that UCF fans understand how good they have it, because... of teams out there, their idea of an alternate uniform is like, let's just like slap a different color on there or like, ooh, let's try a pattern. When you read about how every single aspect of that uniform has meaning, about how the numbers have meaning, about how the, the the gradient on the decal has meaning. I mean, the way that they find to tie UCF space connections into all of that uniform, it's just, it's so goddamn cool. And I just I'm so grateful that those are u- uniforms we get every year, and that the team does all they do because, sheesh! I, I just what a frickin' look, and the
1: attention it brings to UCF is absurd. I mean, Twitter was just all <laughs> night
0: like, oh my god, these yeah. uniforms.
1: And then, I mean, obviously they're they're still undefeated in space games, and they play really well whenever they're.
0: I tweeted they're averaging fifty points a game in space games through yeah. six years. So
1: if you go through this look good, right play yeah, good, it's real, really guys. this really nice graphic they put together they beat ECU 63 to 21 in the first one, in the second one they beat Temple 52 to 40, 44 to 29 over Houston, 51 to 34 over Tulane, 24 to 7 over Memphis and then 70 to 13 tonight. It's Yeah. Yeah. And man, that's a that's a good-looking uniform right there. I these um, uniforms
0: are just absurd. Like I said, I the decal is really what brought it all together for me.
1: Yeah. I, I just what a look. Really, and the really, space you really on the chest is just so awesome. <laughs> it's Such really it's really place. like in your face, but it's just in the best way. Well, it was
0: perfect timing, because remember the first four years UCF was doing space uniforms and no other teams had realized they had tied to space down that you've got Rice is doing it, Purdue's yeah. done it, Air Force, and UCF's like, let's just remind everybody who Space U is. And yeah. What a way to do it. it and it had the desired effect of pissing off those other fan bases, which <laughs> I love so much. Tweet from John Rice Plumley. First space
1: game, check. It was a good night. That's okay. pretty much what he said when he came yeah. on stage in his spacesuit as well as mission <laughs> accomplished. Gotta love that. All right, I guess we can get out of here. This one ran a little bit long, but how does it not run long after a 70, to thirteen win? Like well, we talked um, about it after SMU. It's like it's easy to run long when there's good things to yeah. talk about. Yeah, I mean I'm sure we missed stuff. I mean, I'm absolutely certain we did, but we'll we'll catch up on that in episode one hundred and two. We'll be back next week to talk about that kind of stuff and preview the ECU game. But until then, you can find us on Twitter at Bailey J Adams twenty two at by C.A. Simmons, and at Night Sports Now. Thank you guys so much for being with us on this late night podcast, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye, everybody.